Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. Amen. Could you welcome Josh? Amen. Guys, it's so good to be back in St. Louis, St. Peter's. Um, some of my favorite coffee shops are around the corner, so it's really nice to be here. I know, I know you guys have an accent. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nothing I can do about it. Um, if you have a problem with my accent, just stop me at any point and say, I didn't understand you. Um, I have been married to an American for a very long time. So she's adjusted the way, I mean, I've adjusted the way I've spoken and speak. Oh yeah, anyway, enough jokes. Guys, it's really good to be here. God is doing amazing things. Can I tell you some stories of God's goodness? Prayed for this man. Um, He had injured his right ankle in sport and he was out. He couldn't play football um, and he was a little bit upset about that. Prayed for him. He started jumping up and down and saying, I've never been able to, I haven't been able to move my toe like this in such a long time. Um, And the next day he went to, it was a Friday, the next day he went to uh, his football game and he was able to play. Praise Jesus. Isn't that so good? Um, That happened this Thursday right up over here. Isn't God good? Come on, guys. That's incredible. Um, Another really cool story about God's goodness. Uh, uh, Rachel had a word of knowledge at the the youth group um, on Thursday about families that are going through divorce and how young people are having problems. And like that was so spot on. Somebody in the youth was going through that at that moment and they were worrying about um, how it was affecting them and how they affected them. Isn't it incredible? Yes. Isn't God so, 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 so good? I love how Jesus works. I love when He does all the work and we just are uh, conduit. <laughs> I just want to be the vessel that God uses and it's as simple as saying yes to Jesus. Yes. Amen. Simple as saying yes. So let's do that today. Everyone just put, up your ha- put out your hands in the receiving mode. Uh, Dan always says this, it's a universal language that whenever you put up your hands, you surrender. So God, we just surrender and say this to me, say, Jesus, I give you permission to use me, not only on a Sunday, not only at a church meeting, but when I'm doing my normal day's lifestyle. At the grocery shop, at work, at Starbucks. God, use us, we pray. Amen. Um, Another, one of my favorite preachers, um, he is Todd White. He says, (laughs) I couldn't remember for five seconds. I'm like, the guy with the dreads and going. Anyway, Todd White, he says that generosity is one of the greatest tools of evangelism. Yes, 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 yes. yes. I'm going to say that again. One of the greatest tools, one of the greatest tools um, of evangelism is generosity. Um, He says, whenever there's a conference, um, Christians will go to all of these neighboring restaurants on a Saturday and a Sunday. The whole city knows that there's there's something happening at that church because it's causing such uh, mayhem. And the Christians will come in and every single waiter or waitress walks away saying, I don't like serving Christians. Ouch. We're definitely learning something from the message. That was called sarcasm. Um, uh, and, and Todd White, he challenges everyone. And I personally have not gotten to this level yet. I'm not brave enough with my finances. <laughs> but Todd White says, uh, give 100% tip as a ministry tool. And that's just such a challenge. The few times I have done it, when God leads me to do it, because <laughs> he has to lead me in this one, <laughs> um, <laughs> The few times I have most waiters and waitresses say, they come back and they say, you made a mistake, you've given me too much money. And I'm like, no, I did that on purpose. Um, I want to bless you today. Why would you do that? It's like, just because Jesus loves you. That's all. And it breaks open the hard hearts and you're able to minister Jesus' love. And it was so easy. Isn't that cool? The gospel is a generous gospel. Amen. Um, and it's not reserved only for Christians. Amen. Yeah. 
Yes. Prophetic words are not only for church services. I can tell you one gift of the Spirit that is for church services. Speaking in tongues, as long as there's an interpretation. Anyway, but my point is this. Let us go and demonstrate the gospel outside of these four walls. Simple. It's absolutely simple. I remember, um, and now this is getting on. I'm not an accuracy guy, so I will over I'll say the fish is this big, and in reality, it's probably that size. But um, <laughs> one thing, where was I going with this? Jesus. I got lost with the accuracy. And you know, I was going to say something else. I can't remember. Yes, half five. Okay, because I'm obviously not on my notes, and that didn't work. What was I saying? Say it again, love. Oh, that's great. You remembered five points back, babe. <laughs> that is my amazing wife, Rachel. I love her. And normally she's better at reminding me when I'm at the point. <laughs> oh, let's take the gospel outside of the four. Yalen, stop laughing at me. Let's take the gospel outside of the four walls um, because the gospel isn't meant for church Christians. It is meant for outside. Um, Rachel on her way, yeah, she was, she was doing a, a word study on what does the gospel actually mean and how many of us can actually answer that question truthfully. I was driving. I was like, oh, no. Do I know that answer? I feel like I'm supposed to know that answer. But do I? Do we actually know what the gospel means? I don't know. That's for free. Amen. Um, I really want to honor Luke and Olivia today. Just, <laughs> I am going to cry now. <laughs> um, I love you guys. You guys are doing amazing work. And everyone that's involved with the youth, absolutely incredible. Um, I was saying to everyone... Um, that they have implemented, um, they've in implemented something in the youth groups you guys have. Where's Angie? You guys have done such a good job. Um, they've implemented something in the youth. And I honestly can say that I have, in, in the last few years, I have not seen a more successful gospel evangelism outreach than I have seen done at this church with the youth, uh, with their um, fall fiesta? Fall fever. fall fever, of course I would think fiesta. Um, but like seriously guys, it's been incredible. I love how God is working through you guys and just loving um, the youth of the city and the city's neighboring towns, whatever, you know? It's really, really beautiful. So I love what God is doing. Um, he is faithful, He is using you guys. You are seeing revival. Um, it's really beautiful, cool. Amen. Jesus is good. Uh, if you haven't, if you didn't realize, I am not from America. I am, I am 100% South African. Um, my parents were not missionaries to Africa. Um, South Africa is a country. <laughs> just, just in case you didn't know, I had somebody like around the corner... <laughs> Um, and I'm making fun of Americans. I'm so sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Um, but I had somebody ask me, it's like, oh, I know somebody from a country in South Africa. And I'm like, where is this conversation going, lady? Because it's not going good right now. I can promise you. So I was just like, I'm going to see how this ad <laughs> I'm not going to correct her. And she's like, yeah, yeah. She's from, she's from a country in South Africa called Senegal. It was really funny. I enjoyed it. I was just like, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Amen. Anyway, guys, I love what Jesus is doing all around the world. Um, and I love how you guys carry such an amazing heart for seeing the gospel um, demonstrated. Amen. And I really feel like, who was, I forgot your name, the girl that was singing today. Lindsay. Lindsay, Lindsay you jumped, you are the pointer of the day. Um, you pointed in where the Holy Spirit is going. You caught something that God wants to do today and you pointed all of us 
in that direction. Your, that prophetic song that you were singing was so loud and so tangible. It was beautiful. I love it. Well done. Keep going. Isn't that incredible? Um, and like, like I, love, I love worship. I love seeing what God does in worship. Um, but the one thing I love most about worship is when we get a new song. I don't want to sing Bethel songs. I don't want to sing Hillsong's songs. I want to sing a song that is ours. And there's something in South Africa, at least, we got this, this thing about music. Like Bethel does not sound like a South African worship song. You have to sing it in a different accent because the words don't rhyme in my accent. Just saying. So there you've got a whole bunch of people singing this American song that's singing about American problems and American situations, and it's irrelevant to what we are going through there. So we went through this whole thing of like, what is our song? What are we going to sing? A multicultural church, a church with more than 11 cultures sitting in its pews, and we're singing only English songs. Makes total sense. No, it doesn't. And then, like, 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 then, like, my, my white songs are four over four, same six chords. Like, that's what I sing. That's what I can, like, I, I know that. But then when you go to the closer people, they sing um, without any instruments, totally a cappella, and then they don't sing four four. They sing um, offbeat. Yes. So everything's, like, different. So then you, you come and bring this all into the mix and it will sound messy at first until you learn the art of favoring someone else. Amen. And then unity flows. We are different, but we are one. We are different. I don't want the other culture to change. Otherwise, I'm living up to my British colonization skills. And I know they don't want me to change because we see Jesus in each other. It's a good word. High five, Lord. And um, (laughs) uh, it's something so beautiful when we come together. And then there's this... there's this band in South Africa, this artist that, that has been working a lot with Sounds of the Nations. Um, and its its closer its, its, um, its name is Siakudumisa, but then they changed it to English so that not only closer people can understand it, but all the other people, right? And it's called We Will Worship. Don't you think that is so appropriate? Yes. And then I remember the first day, <laughs> I brought one of their songs to my community and we started to sing it. Um, And now I can't remember it. (laughs) And my kids, our children, started to roar the anthem, the bridge. They started to roar it. They're walking out and that's all they're singing. Babe, what was it? Oh, in Jenga Kama. What's the chorus, the, the bridge again? I want to translate it. Sing it anyway. She, Rachel led, leads worship in Klosa. Oh, wow. Isn't that incredible? Awesome. Yeah. And then all of the white, this is another culture thing. All the white South Africans, they say to Rachel and I, they're like, I just can't do it. I can't say all the clicks. It's Kosa, not Klosa. <laughs> I'm like, Kosa is a, is, a, is a vehicle in South Africa. How insulting to call a whole people group a vehicle's name. Anyway, and Rachel goes, well, I've been here for three years, and I can say closer. Love my wife. Beating racism. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being embarrassing. Anyway, can you, did you get it, love? The, the chorus, you didn't get it. No, don't worry. It is incredible. It's a good song. Go look it up. In Jenga Klama. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I I love you guys. This is fun. I'm so glad I can be myself. Um, So (laughs) I really believe that God wants to do an amazing thing here today in your lives. Um, Your breakthrough has got nothing to do with you. Absolutely nothing. That's why it's so difficult to get breakthrough. 
because you are fighting a battle that is bigger than you. You can say amen. Amen. (laughs) And I need you to walk in the breakthrough that you are going after. I need you to. I want you to. I desire you to. I do not have the authority and the skill to testify about your breakthrough like you are going to. Your breakthrough and what you are going to walk in is going to not only affect you, it's going to affect the people around you and the people around them. You are fighting for breakthrough that is so much bigger than you. Amen. And within community, we are going to see your breakthrough. Isolation says, I'm going to deal with this by myself because it's only my problem and I don't want people to think it's a male thing maybe I don't want people to think that I'm weak um, and I've got to pretend like I've got it all together and well presented but meanwhile inside I am broken meanwhile inside I am desiring family connection and wholeness and I have been unable to find it anywhere else I love I love that word um, transparency it's a cool word right however I don't know maybe this is also a cultural thing we used to go window shopping you can look but you can't buy you know what I'm talking about? And you go, oh, that looks nice. I wonder how much. Oh, no, I could never. But just imagine. <laughs> you enjoying this stuff? Yes. I love vulnerability because vulnerability says you can see all of me and you have the opportunity to speak into my life and help me rearrange the things that I cannot see. Does this make sense? Yeah. Like I really, I, I, lo- I love those two words. I'm just breaking it down for analogy. So if you use transparency to discuss this topic, go ahead, keep doing it. I don't like using it personally because I love vulnerability. I love it. It is so scary. It deals with my stuff. <laughs> hey, I give you permission to speak into the areas of my life that I don't see. And I won't get offended because I choose to. I'm in control of me, not you. My responsibility is me, not you. So however you decide, please do it in a healthy way. However you decide to communicate this, I have the opportunity to decide whether or not I am going to receive or not. Uh, I'm going to say something controversial. Um, I really, I really do not like gossip. Hate it with a passion. It's a form of witchcraft, by the way. So is religion. <laughs> um, it's a form of witchcraft. Um, and it's, it's, I just don't like it. Whenever I hear gossip, I'm just like, oh, Lord Jesus. This is one. Um, Heidi Baker's personal assistant, one of our friends, she, whenever she would hear gossip, she would just go over to them and be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Let's pray now. Jesus, I pray. And she would stop praying. I try to do that. I'm totally unsuccessful. Um, as she's, she's incredible. I learned from her. But maybe that's a strategy for you. Anyway, um, <laughs> but within gossip, there's always a line of truth. And you've got to learn how to decipher it and decide it and find it. It takes great skill um, and not getting a secondhand offense to somebody. So if you're unable to do that, don't listen to gossip. Just by the way, um, just push it out. Gossip ends with you. I am a gossip ending. It will end here. Dan in uh, in St. Charles, if, if, he, if it gets awkward and he's like, cool, let's call them up right now. I'm putting them on speaker. Excellent. Love it. That's incredible. Another little tool. Anyway, um, I really believe that God is wanting to do something great today. And to, this morning we went after there is no fear in love. Um, no fear in love. Anxiety uh, is rooted in fear. It's, it's, a, it's not something... Um, it's not something like, like, I've never ever dealt with anxiety, so please forgive me 
If I'm speaking out of turns, you've got permission to correct me. This is just strategies that I have learned through Sozo ministry and inner healing ministry and patterns that I've noticed happening in people that are de dealing with anxiety. But I've, I've noticed that it's rooted in fear, um, fear that your relationships are going to be broken. And it, it like even stems all the way down to not being um, comforted the way that you needed to as a child. One of the examples that they use is not being picked up when you were crying, not showing compassion um, when you needed compassion. Um, and it's it, like, that's some of the root things that people have to deal with. But it's like that feeling, I don't know how to receive love. So when somebody comes to someone that's struggling with anxiety and shows them real love, they push it away and react with anxiety. Or there's a moment where there's a break in a relationship and you just, you're just so anxious because will they really love me? They said they would, but now they don't. And those thoughts, just it's a, it's a chemical reaction that starts happening in your body and you just respond with anxiety. And there needs to be healing in that, but the roots needs to be dealt with. And the one reason why I really enjoy Sozo ministry is because we don't go hacking at a tree all day. We do, God and the Holy Spirit, He goes to the roots of issues. Um, and if you like gardening, a plant cannot grow or survive without its roots. It's unstable, it falls down, it cannot get the nutrients out. And if you identify the lie that you are believing, don't go after its fruit. Go for its roots. Because once you get down deep into that dirty soil where you deal with all your mess, you find the root, you sever it, and the tree withers. And it becomes unfruitful in your life. Isn't that amazing? Yes. It is so easy. It's also really, really complicated and difficult, and you've got to go through all that trauma. So, the title of my message today is, <laughs> um, Does Your Soul Need to Be Restored? And it's a question I'm going to throw at us. Does your soul need to be restored? Now, before you just answer that question, Let's read Psalms 23. Can we do that? Yes. Um, Psalms 23. I love this psalm. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, by the way, whenever I read this psalm, I go a little bit trippy. Um, Y'all got it? I'm just going to read. If you don't have it, it's fine. Um, the Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. <laughs> yes, I'm reading a different version. <laughs> his tracks take me on an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me a pathway to God's pleasure and leads me along his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of the deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me. For you always have. Have you been conquered by God? I have. Yes. And when he conquers me, I don't have to worry about anything else trying to conquer me. So, <laughs> I lost my place. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are always near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and your love pursue me all the days of my life. 
Then afterwards, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. Psalms 23. It's a psalm of healing, inner healing. It's where we go to God and say, God, here is my heart. I've always had a problem with this one part personally because I've never liked correction. (laughs) Your authority is my strength and my peace. That translates in other Bibles that your staff guides me. Now that like, 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 like instantly brings up trauma from my childhood because <laughs> um, I, remember, I remember corporal punishment. Some of you still do, but I remember corporal punishment and the fear that I caused when I was punished when I did nothing wrong with corporal punishment. I remember that and that's affected me when I read this, this Bible verse. Wait, I'm saying that your trauma can affect the way that you interpret the Bible? Yes. Very interesting, right? And I love this. It says, your authority is my strength and my peace. Your authority, God, is my strength and my peace. When I am sick, your authority tells sickness to leave. Totally different meaning. Totally different meaning to this Bible verse. Anyway, I I digress. Um, It's good, right? It is so, so good. Here are are three signs to help you determine if your soul is running on empty. Are you ready? Number one, burnout. (laughs) You're apathetic. You dread getting out of bed in the morning. Why do I have to go to work? Your life is on autopilot. You've lost your sense of purpose. Burnout. Number two. I promise you there's only three points. I don't like harboring on bad things. Number two. Hopelessness. You feel discouraged. You're battling with fear of man. You feel depressed, unmotivated, and anxious. Hopelessness. Number three. Are you ready? Sorry. Number three, entitlement. Critical. Judgmental. Jealous and controlling. Three signs that you have got a soul that is running on empty, that your soul needs to be revived. Do you want me to read them again? Yes. Y'all looking at me like, what? Okay. <laughs> Number one, I'm going to go through it quickly. You ready? Number one, if you are battling with burnouts, it's a sign. Your, your emotions, your heart are busy trying to communicate to you that they need r- revival. Burnout, you're feeling apathetic, which means you don't want to do anything. The things that brought you joy don't bring you joy anymore. You dread getting out of bed. Your life is on autopilot. I'm just going through the motions here. (laughs) Um, I don't mean to laugh at that. That was just, my analogy was funny in my head. Um, You've lost your sense of purpose. Why am I here? What am I doing? Is there meaning to my life? Do I have a destiny? Have I actually made an impact in other people's lives? Does God want to use me? Why would he use me? He knows how much I've messed up. Number two, hopelessness. You feel discouraged. You're battling with the fear of man. Man's opinion about you. You're going through depression and cycles of depression. You're unmotivated and battling with anxiety. And the third one, entitlement, where you've become critical, judgmental, jealous, and controlling. One of the greatest faith killers is the spirit of criticism. When you criticize and dissect everything. 
I had somebody come up to me and say, in South Africa, not in America, um, I had somebody come up to me in, in South Africa and start criticizing my whole ministry. Everything that I did, from women in leadership, um, uh, to signs and wonders, to the miraculous way that God provides food. They were just criticizing everything. Everything. And they were saying, you're doing it wrong. You should do this. Your, 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 your theology is messed up and weird. I'm like, do you want my job? Because you can have it. Can you do better than me? No. Actually, you don't even want to do what I'm doing. So why are you criticizing what I'm doing? And I walked away from the conversation. And I went to my knees and said, God, thank you for giving me the courage to speak up. <laughs> I'm joking. I went back and said, God, please help me because I'm battling here. Like, how do I love somebody that's criticizing me? Like, how? Anyway, it was hard. I got through. Yes. <laughs> um, but there is a better way. There is a different way. His name is Jesus. And we, when we look at him, something changes in the inside of us. And Jesus, he has a different way of thinking. Totally opposite to what I'm used to. <laughs> he says, sorry, he thinks, if you want to live, you got to die. <laughs> He says, <laughs> if you want to be honored, you got to be humble. <laughs> he, he believes if you want to receive, you've got to give. <laughs> totally contrary to the way that I think. Who else agrees? <laughs> I want to live life in abundance. Look for opportunities where you die to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, it's so much fun. Anyway, um, if you want to receive, give. I remember, this is a side note, I remember in South Africa when we were doing hospital ministry, this is going back before my crazy encounter with the Holy Spirit when I was still a teenager. I remember being so tired of doing ministry, I didn't want to do it. And my dad was like, let's go and do an evangelism trip to the hospital. I'm like, okay. My dad's like, yes, because a pastor's son, by the way, um, you do everything. So there I was busy lugging the PA system into the, to the, the hospital wards with all the nurses like, when's Antoni, where are you going? And the, the doctor's looking at me strange, setting it up. My dad's really bold. Hopefully one day you'll get to meet him. And you plug it in and it goes. And like, there's like 150 to 200 people busy dying. <laughs> and then my dad goes, hello, hello, can you all hear me? And I'm like, oh, God, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> and then he starts preaching, and the whole ward gets saved. It's incredible. Praise Jesus. And I remember the one day I was watching my dad dealing with all my personal issues um, that uh, God has set me free. Um, and I'm standing there, and I'm like, God, I don't want to be here right now. I don't want to do this. I am empty. I can't remember the last time I read my Bible. And I just want you, I don't want to be here, and here I am busy pouring out yet again. God, why? And at that moment, um, he reminded me of that Bible verse, um, if you want to receive, give. And I took my, the, the microphone, because my dad forced it in my face. And, um, I, no jokes. He's like, Joshua, tell your testimony. I'm like, my testimony? <laughs> and I remember standing there and like that was one of the first moments that I started operating with um, words of knowledge and I had nothing else to say except for this one thing there is a woman yeah that has been sexually abused since she was a little girl and you're in the hospital today because you, are you were severely raped and you are going through so much pain and unable to get healing is that anyone here 200 people silent and then I'm looking, at, looking for somebody like lying in the bed that understands English and can translate it into closer better than I can. And I'm like, help. And then I say it again, nothing. I said it the third time. And my dad is like, oh, son. 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> well done, boy. <laughs> um, and there I am. I'm like, oh, God. And I'm busy. I'm like literally standing in the middle, thinking to myself, I am so embarrassed right now. I literally gave my last. Like all the juice that's in my heart is now done. And as I was turning away to start and give the microphone to someone else, this woman right next to me starts to wail. And she just started to cry as the presence of Jesus started to physically heal her body for being, from being gang raped. And I was 16 years old. And I watched God do something great. In my weakness, in my emptiness, I decided to give. I learned more that day than I ever have from a little man like me preaching on a Sunday. As Jesus himself walked into that world and touched her body and healed her. Like, like, sorry, graphic. Healed her body from being gang raped. God is so good. And I'm not only talking about physical ripping and tearing. I am talking about HIV. Hallelujah. <laughs> pouring, when, pouring out when you, are, when you are empty. And like I know, I'm, I'm probably preaching to the choir. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Serving Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and not seeing anything. Like you get all your hopes up and your desires up and you're like, God, I just want to encounter you. I want to see revival in the city. All good things. And you get to this breaking point and you're like, God, I am burnt out. And then the Bible verse, do not get tired of doing good, but I'm tired. <laughs> it's good, right? I love this. Jesus has a different way of thinking. And here comes the problem. How do we think like Jesus? Really good question. I'm still trying to answer that question myself because I have, yeah, 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 you ask God. This is a good example. God, fill me with your love so I can love other people. And then he puts you into a, a difficult situation when somebody offends you and you don't want to see their face in church anymore. They've got the Jezebel spirit. I don't want to see them. The Jezebel spirit must be kicked out of the church. Anyway. <laughs> and God puts you into those situations so that you learn how to love somebody that has hurt you. They will know that we are Christians by the way we attend church on a Sunday. They'll know that we are Christians by how much money we give to the missionaries. They'll know that we are Christians by how we love one another. John, you said it the other day in my kitchen, bro. Like you walked into, he walked into this community. Correct me if I'm wrong, please do. Walked into this community and like they didn't, it was awkward for you because you're young and single and they're all married with family members. But there was something that happened that day and it was how they intentionally loved him despite his weaknesses and his and it was in community that he found his identity. And the first time he went on a missions trip, correct me if I'm wrong, bro, this is your testimony, not mine. First time he went on a missions trip, they were the ones that supported you the most, not only financially, but with prayer and community. Am I correct? Go and talk to him afterward. That is an absolutely amazing testimony. How are we loving each other when we are, are offended with each other? Dan Reynolds always says this. He said it last week at church. <laughs> he says, if you have not been offended by us yet, you will be. Or we say, God, give me more patience. And then he gives you circumstances and arranges things to happen where you've got to learn how to be patient with one another. <laughs> you know what I mean? You guys know what I'm talking about. Like God has a different way of thinking and there is a, a process that he wants us to go through. And I'm going to be barking up a tree that many of us have before. It's called being transformed by the 
be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Jesus says, oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I didn't prepare this, but there's that Bible verse where he says, it's not, it's not about your, I don't desire obedience, I want sacrifice, right? I think that's the Bible verse. Like God wants to see our hearts. What's this? So, seven signs of a transformed mind. Transformation is not a behavior adjustment. It's a root issue that we deal with, with the way that we think to circumstances and situations around us. When something comes up, what is the first thought that you think about? Seven signs of a transformed mind. Number one, you live in hope. When a hopeless situation comes your way, you respond with hope. Isn't that good? Any thought in your mind that does not inspire hope is rooted in a lie. So when something goes wrong, a transformed mind thinks, oh, that's going to work out. <laughs> Number two, the impossible seems possible. Yes. Impossible circumstances excite you. Oh my word, it's really hard actually when you pray for the sick. They come to you like, oh, I've got cancer. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> so insensitive. I do it all the time. Because it's exciting. Because God's going to heal cancer. Yes. He's going to. Actually, He has. Already, it's done. I've just got to give it to you freely because He paid for it. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, when God says he's going to do something that's never, been ha that's never happened before, you believe it will happen. Number three, you live in peace. I'm going to say that again. You live in peace. And you don't worry. Speculation, your speculations aren't based on the negative, but they're based on the positive outcomes I'd rather speculate good things to happen than speculate our bad things are going to happen. Yes. Number four, you like yourself. I love me. I really like me. I really do. I, I'm, I'm not even joking. Yes, I think I talk too much, but I like that about myself. Yes, I am an external processor. I like that. I absolutely enjoy it. Yes, I am ecstatically happy all the time. I like that too. Yes, I go, I feel deeply and I'm hurt easily. I like that about me. And I rejoice in my weakness. I like myself and I rejoice in my weakness. Number five, you are quick to forgive. This is a hard one. I had to check myself too. <laughs> and are you quick to forgive? Because that is a sign of a transformed mind. Yes. Quick to forgive. Anyway, number six, you are confident and thankful. Well, sorry. Yeah, you are confident and thankful. Lots of people have come up to me because of my confidence and they've always, um, they've always said, oh, Joshua, you're proudful. Uh, uh, somebody that has pride cannot be thankful. It's one of the, it never goes together. Pride and thanks, thankfulness never goes together. Like, it really doesn't. And like, confidence is, I know who I am. And I'm thankful for that. Thankful that my identity comes from Jesus. My confidence is rooted and based in Him. Number seven, the last one. You believe in others. And give them the benefit of the doubt. You don't know other people's motives or intentions. Half the time, you don't even know your own. <laughs> yeah. And I, today, cool. today I really believe that, that God wants us. Personally, I found that I could read this list a million times and I would not be transformed. Um, like, like in Hebrews, it comes from Hebrews 12. There's two things that had to happen for me, for my, mind, my mind to be transformed. And those two things were encountering God and seeing how He responds to circumstances and situations. 
And the second one was to renew it, actively go after it, write out declarations and declare them over my circumstances and my situations. So I had to, there was a, a two part, like, yes, I get into his presence and I just, God, show me what you are thinking about this situation. Give me your heart for the people that I'm busy encountering. And then the second thing is I declare the truth over the lies that I was believing about my circumstances, situations, and the people that I'm encountering. Isn't that good? The power of the transformed mind comes from encountering Jesus. Jesus said, I don't do anything that I haven't seen my father do. He learned from watching his father move, work, operate, respond. If Jesus did that, how much more do we have to do that? Getting in, it's not like, I love the word of God. I'm not disqualifying this at all. And some people learn a lot more than I do from the Bible. But what I do is I, I, I get into his presence. No matter where I am. I remember dealing with, with anxiety, especially with relationships. Um, and when I was in them, I was so boggled and overwhelmed with hurts and Whatever, I, I, in the moment, I did not know how to respond properly. And I felt very victimized and hurt and afraid. And I remember God saying that He is not going to take that feeling away from me, but He is going to be with me in those moments. So when I felt that lie overshadowing me, I would literally step into His presence. And I said, God, I am afraid. I am scared. I'm feeling hurt and alone right now. Where are you? And he would confirm it by his presence. And I was able to just let go of that hurt when somebody's spitting and screaming at me. Guys, like, how's this? Rescuing women from human trafficking in South Africa. The first night that we went out, Rachel was like six months pregnant with our firstborn daughter. Yeah, we are busy walking the red light district in South Africa at night, rescuing the women that have been trafficked. And one of the pimps, this huge, really big guy, um, comes walking up to me and he's got a, a, a golf club behind him like this. Hey, what you doing? Right? What would you do? Run. <laughs> That's... That's what worldly wisdom was saying at that moment. And I literally like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and I step forward because I know who I am. Because I know that and I trust myself to respond with the love of Jesus. And because he was with me, otherwise I would be dead. Uh, I step and I was obeying him. I didn't do something brave just because I wanted to be brave. I step forward and I'm like, I love you, my brother. Just like that. And he's like, oh, what you doing? I'm like, I'm here giving. <laughs> I lied. <laughs> Free gifts. <laughs> Free gifts to the woman. Inside this little bag is a little prophetic word telling them how much Jesus loves them. It's um, a box of condoms. It is um, uh, sanitary pads and wet wipes and lipstick and makeup and jewelry. We just want the woman to know that they are loved. And he's like, oh, okay, you're doing a good thing. Keep on doing it. Uh, that's God. <laughs> Isn't that good? And there's situations and circumstances where if you respond with the heart of the Father to whatever you're going through, you will literally break the back of anxiety, anger, and hatred, and you'll bring peace that surpasses your understanding. And you'll be partnering with not only transforming your own life, but you'll be transforming the circumstances around you. Breakthrough is not about you. It's about the other people around you. People are going to be eating the fruit from your breakthrough personally. And it starts here. It starts right here. Amen. I really, before we, I'm done actually, but I really feel like God wants to do some fun things today. Um, I really believe that God wants to heal anxiety and depression. And if there's anyone here um, that is going through that, does anyone have like some soft pads, 
I don't want to rush off like some music in the background, like. Mm. Yep. Um, you know the, the Holy Spirit music. Anyway, I really feel like God wants to heal anxiety and depression. Maybe even the, the guys can jump on the guitars if you wanted to. That'll be great. Instead of that. Okay. Gonna say it all again. God wants to heal anxiety and depression today. So I want to make an opportunity for us just to respond to what God is saying. Um, and like I'm particularly seeing um, young men being healed of anxiety. I really, 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 really believe that. Um, I remember the one day God gave me a dream of, a, of a, a young girl battling. It was a dream. God gave me a dream of a young woman battling with depression. And like in my dream, she pulled up her sleeves and she had slits all the way up her wrists and her forearms. And she was battling with depression and suicide in my dream. And I was like, okay, God, obviously you want to do something about depression today. I lived in a rural farm area at the time where the closest grocery store was 45 minutes drive away. No society, just cows and birds. Um, and I was like, okay, God, I don't know how this is going to happen. You know, like what's going to happen? And that night I went, went somewhere, I don't even know where. Um, and there was this new girl in our community and she said her name and it happened to be the same name as the girl in my, that, I, that I dreamt about. I was like, well, your name, let's say it's Lisa. I can't remember. Oh, Lisa, I had a dream about you. And then I proceeded to tell her this really weird dream. And I don't know her. And I said, um, I dreamt, Lisa, that you were, you were cutting yourself and you were very ashamed of it and you were hiding it away. No one knew that you were, you were trying to commit suicide and that you were battling with depression so much. But as soon as you showed me your scars, I grabbed your wrist and I prayed for you and all your scars disappeared. Does that make sense to you? And this girl just starts weeping as she pulls up her sleeve to show me where she was trying to commit suicide. Prayed for her the scars started to disappear. And a couple of days later, she phoned me and said, Joshua, all the scars are gone. They're gone. I don't see them anymore. And a couple of months later, she gets back to me and she says, Joshua, I had, last week I was battling with depression and, <laughs> and I tried to commit suicide again. I believed the lies that I was healed from. And as I was cutting, I noticed that every single one was gone and there was nothing left. And I stopped halfway as the presence of God wrecked me. And she said, that's the only scar that's left now, is the one that was halfway through. And she was completely saved and, and, and rescued from, from the disease of depression. Um, uh, free testimony. Um, I really believe that God wants to heal carpal tunnel today or pain in your, 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 like from working at the computer and office work and stuff like that. And maybe it's a teacher and you've been writing on the, the board for a very long time and it's just really hurt you. Um, or anyway, um, I also really feel like God wants to talk to somebody by the name of Richard. Might get this wrong. I'm just throwing it out there. Is there Richard here today? There is. Are you Richard? Cool. Um, and then I also feel like God wants to heal ankle and knee pain. Like someone who's really been battling with ankle and knee pain. Like almost like it's arthritis, but maybe not. I don't know. I don't want to limit it to one sickness. If you've got any ankle pain or knee pain, just come forward. Okay. Um, I really feel like God wants to minister to somebody by the name of Josh. I know. I was like, maybe I'm just thinking of myself right now. Josh, John, Matthew, and Jack. Are any of those names in the room? John, I know about you, bro, and your ankle. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyone else by those names? Josh, is there another Josh in the room? Josh. Matthew. Cool, bro. Nice to meet you. Josh. Right? Another Matthew. No ways. <laughs> Bob, bro, God wants to talk to you today. Um, in fact, uh, Josh, I really, I really do feel like God has got such an amazing destiny for you. And there's not a, it's not an accident that your parents named you that name. And uh, Joshua 1 verse 9, be strong and courageous. And I feel like your courage and your strength has been challenged as a man. Where you have been going through life feeling so conquered. 
um, confused and uh, like no strength. Like just, uh, I don't feel like I'm strong enough to do this, get through this. And I really feel like God wants to encourage you today, Joshua Matthew that your name is powerful and that God has called you to be strong and courageous. And I like the second part of Joshua 1 verse 9. He says, to lead these people. And I really feel like God has called you and raising you up to be a leader, a leader of men and women. And, and like at the moment you've been, there's so much fear of man going on. Maybe this might be for someone else. Forgive me if I'm wrong, correct me if I'm wrong. But I really feel like God wants to come and give you courage to lead people into truth. Um, and like you are a kingdom influencer. Instead of being influenced by the world around you, you are gonna influence the world. Um, and I, like I just break those word curses and those, those the, the, um, like almost like a, a, social, a social bullying that's been happening, happening or has happened in the past. I really feel like Jesus wants to heal something like that. If this makes sense to you, bro, just if it doesn't, just ignore what I'm saying, okay? But I really feel like God wants to come and heal the trauma of being bullied. Uh, I, I don't know, you, you can interpret that one. Um, and like God wants to give you friends, friends that believe in you, friends that will encourage you, friends that won't take away from you, uh, friends that will stand by you. Um, does that make sense to you, Joshua? You can tell me if I'm wrong, I don't mind. Does it make sense? No? Kind of? Kind of cool. Chat more. I'd love to pray for you afterwards, bro. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then I really feel like God wants to heal somebody with eye problems or eye pains, like pain in the back of your eye that you've been battling with and it's causing migraines or did I say it right? Migraines? Migraines? Uh, and, uh, and then... I really feel like God, this is a weird one, weird, um, but the effects of chemo uh, is particularly like, like, I don't know what it is, I'm, I, I think that there's something on this, but like depression and anxiety caused from chemo treatment, weird I know, I don't even know if that's a thing, um, but I really feel like God wants to heal that, oh, yeah. so I'm going to pray for us, okay guys, put your hand on your heart. In fact, let's do a little bit different. Put your hand on your heads. <laughs> we'll get to your heart, Nana. Just say, mind, you are a terrible leader, but a good servant. Put your hand on your heart and say, heart, you are a terrible servant, but a good leader. And I give you permission today to lead my mind. And God, I just speak to every single heart that is represented here today. God, I speak to every single emotion, every single disappointment, every single pain, every single trauma, every moment that has happened and every offense, God. And right now, Holy Spirit, the healing ointment of God just to come and saturate this place that you'll heal and bind every single wound. God, thank you that our hearts are important to you. Thank you that our emotions are important to you. Yeah. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So if you... If you... Um, if any of those things spoke to you, please come forward. We would love to pray for you. I would love to pray for you. Um, if you want prayer for anything else, it doesn't have to only be on that list. We would love to pray for you. If you were one of those people, um, carpal tunnel, the ankle, knee pain, eye pain, uh, just, just all the whole thing with anxiety, I, I know that touches a wide, wide group of people. I just ask you to be courageous. And we do have a prayer team here, but this morning uniquely. Go ahead and line up. He's got all day long. But I'd like him to lay hands on you. So you just come on up. Josh, you did. Rachel, you're probably burdened with children and whatnot. Um, just come on up, have him pray for you. Um, I'm just going to throw this out also just because it's in the spirit of the morning. 
I know we, uh, I mentioned earlier about taking an offering, receiving an offering for Jose, wherever Jose is, there he is. <clears throat> I just want, if you still would like to give and you're just like, oh, you felt Life Church, Jose. And I also want to throw out, as you're listening to Josh and Rachel, or Josh, Rachel, could you stand up real quick in the back, please? There she is. Um, they are missionaries trapped in America. They were had a mission, have a mission on a trash heap in South Africa, ministering to homeless kids. Um, just horrifically challenged situation. They have a ministry. And if listening to him this morning or May 2, if you'd like to invest into his ministry, their ministry, please see me. We'll get information. They are the sort of people we want to bless. Amen? Amen. So, Father, thank you for this morning. I'm praying over here. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you touch us in the deepest place. Do a great work. Do a thorough work in our hearts. As I'm honest with me, as I'm honest with me, Lord, change me. Help me. I don't want to I don't want to walk with a limp. I want to walk with my shoulders back, confident in who you say I am, and step into all the things that you have for me, to be able to step into them and then stride into them and then run into them. Have your way. Do a thorough work in me. Bless us this day in Jesus' mighty name. And again. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.